You are listening to the podcast of Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana on Canal Street. You can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church. Also on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. Today we continue our series uh, entitled Hope 2016 as we move towards the election on November the 8th. In this particular talk, we've entitled this talk, Vote to Live, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 22 once again, where Jesus tells us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. In this particular talk, we're going to look at the importance of voting versus the importance of living and the invitation that Jesus extends to us as kingdom people and what our role and what our call as followers of Jesus really is. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. Past weekend, we started our recording a little late on accident. And so I am going to give our introduction in this format, and then you will notice that we will switch to our live teaching. As we begin this week, uh, we are going to start with prayers from both the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention. I want to encourage you to listen to these prayers as we've been talking over the last number of weeks how politics and religion are so intermingled and married together in the country that we live in. And I just want you to listen carefully to these prayers and the way that uh, these prayers are spoken. First prayer, at once again at one of the national conventions. Awesome and wonderful God of the universe, you are the one who created the world and all who live in it. You made America the great nation it is filled with gifted and enterprising people. We have the ability to create leadership for the world and all other nations, while at the same time operating as one nation under your name, with liberty and justice for all. Through our own human error, we have fallen short of your expectations. Instead of operating as United States and a united people, we have become divided. We have allowed our Diversity to cause us to devalue and distrust and mistreat one another. We have made people think we are superior to others, particularly the least among us. There is tension and dissension in the land. This is not for us, and we know it. As we gather here this week, we understand all you have entrusted to us and expect of us. We have a responsibility to you to be a party that celebrates diversity, values all people, and treats everyone with dignity and respect. We have a platform that seeks to address the ills of our nation right now and help us be a just and equitable society. We have an opportunity, O oh God, to give undeniable evidence of our commitment to justice and equality by nominating Hillary Rodham Clinton as our candidate. Hallelujah. As our candidate for the highest office in the land, God, you have given us wisdom. Now give us courage for the facing of this hour. Unite us, O God, in one party. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Obviously, now this was from the Democratic National Convention, 
And now I'd like to read to you the prayer from the Republican National Convention. Hello, Republicans. I am Pastor Mark Burns from the great state of South Carolina. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give the benediction. And you know why? Because we are electing a man in Donald Trump who believes in the name of Jesus Christ. And Republicans, we've got to be united because our enemy is not other Republicans, but is Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're thankful for the life of Donald Trump. We're thankful that you are guiding him, that you are giving him the words to unite this party and this country, that we together can defeat the liberal, the liberal Democratic Party to keep us divided and not united. Because we are the United States of America and we are the conservative party under God to defeat every attack that comes against us, to protect the life of Donald Trump, give him the words, give him the space, give him the power and the authority to be the next president of the United States of America. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen. These were the prayers from the national conventions, Republican and Democrat. And now we listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm chapter 146. Do not put your trust in kings or presidents, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up, lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Do not put your trust in kings or presidents, in human beings who cannot save. Blessed are those whose hope is in the Lord. And that's the word of the Lord. Now, I voted this week. I voted early. I beat you all to the polls. Did I beat everybody to the polls? No. Uh, okay. I voted early. I did not vote for Donald Trump, and I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. So there you have it. I won't tell you where I put my vote, but I did vote. I did not vote, so now I'm not trying to sway you towards one of those or the other. That's simple. So now I feel that we can, we can move into this, and you still have to make your own decisions, okay? Personally, I believe that we could take both of those prayers, and I believe that we could biblically come to an understanding that both of those prayers were very filled with self-interest, um, okay? Not one even more than the other. I think they, they both were. So here's what we're going to do tonight, because as a society and as a world, everything that we do right now is about picking sides, and it's so important to so many people in the world that you pick the right side. Make sure that you pick the right side. Do not get caught on the wrong side. And then once you pick the right side, make sure that you judge everyone who picked the wrong side. This is the, this is the environment that we live in. I mean, this is just it. 
Now here's a, a big problem because what we then do is we have different groups that are trying to now paint God into a particular or into a corner or onto a particular side. Both of those pastors who prayed those prayers, I believe, are God-fearing, God-loving Christian men and women. And yet, have been able to find themselves in a position to figure out that God is on their side. So how does that happen? And what are we, what are we supposed to do about it? The interesting thing is when you look through the New Testament, Whenever Jesus, and this is so fascinating to me, this is why I, I think it's, it's just so interesting, because whenever Jesus is forced to take sides in the scripture, one of two things happens. He either finagles his way out of it and doesn't choose a side, or he chooses the side that the people pressing him did not want him to choose. It's a fascinating thing, but what I mean by that is Jesus, whenever he chooses a side, you will find that he sides with the disheartened. You will find that he sides with the weak. You will find that he sides with the not popular crowd. When, whenever he does side, it's, it's always to the side that those who are in power didn't expect or didn't want. And that's if he picks a side. And that, I think, is what makes this so difficult because many people trying to figure out, even in this election, what side is God on? And I would suggest that God is on the side of people. I would suggest that God is not on the side of policies, that he's not on the side of nations, that he's not on the side of governmental systems, but that he's on the side of people. So, if you have your Bible... Which or open up your phone, whatever you want to do. But we're going to go back to Matthew 22. I just I don't think we're finished yet with this particular passage that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. So here's how it starts once again. Matthew 22. Jot this down if you want to. Matthew 22:15. This is how it starts. Now the Pharisees went out and they laid plans to trap Jesus in his words, and they also sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now, right away, let's realize that something, let's, let's notice something. They, we have the Pharisees and we have the Herodians. Now, if we don't really pay attention to the scripture, we won't know what's going on here, but already what we have are two different groups of people. So the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the high Jews. The Pharisees are pro-Israel all the way. These are the make Israel great again. This is, the, this is that crowd, okay? That's what this crowd is, the Pharisees. And what they want is they are anti-Rome. They desire and they're waiting for a Messiah to come in to conquer the Roman Empire and to place Israel and the Jews back at the top of the food chain. Your kingdom come. That's what it meant to the Pharisees and to many of the Jews in that day. So these guys were anti-Rome and they were anti-tax. Okay, they did not want to give any of their money to the Romans. Now the Herodians, these were Herod's disciples. Herod was a Jew, but he was not a good Jew. He was, a, he was kind of a, a half-Jew. He was, he was a sellout of a Jew. Because what he did was he sold out 
to the Roman Empire. The Rome said, listen, Herod, you're a Jew. You, you, you rule over this part in, in Judea. You rule over these Jews. And you know what? You collect the taxes. You do all the stuff. You've paid us. We'll take care of you. We'll make sure you have land. We'll make sure you have property. We'll make sure the people stay in line because we're the Roman army. So we'll do that for you. So we'll take care of you. And Herod says to his disciples and to his followers, he says, and I'll take care of you. Just keep things in order. So these guys are, they don't really love Rome, but they've sold out to Rome. And so they're like, yeah, we pay taxes to Rome. Because the more we pay taxes to Rome, the more Herod gets taken care of. The more Herod gets taken care of, the more Herod takes care of us. So already you have a two-party system. There it is. Actually, you have more than a two-party system because we had the Sadducees and we had the Essenes and we had others. So we had a multi-party system. The Pharisees and the Herodians go to Jesus, and here's what they say. Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity, and we know that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You are not swayed by others because you pay attention. You pay no attention to who others are. Tell us then, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Pharisees are saying, tell us that it's not okay. And then we'll, you, we'll know you're on, you're on our side. Uh, we'll know that you're, you're, you're moving in the direction that we want to go. And the Herodians are saying, no, no, no. Tell us that it is okay to pay taxes that we're supposed to be. You see, the, pick Jesus. Pick a side, Jesus. Pick a side. It's not a new thing to ask God to pick sides. Do you know that? <laughs> it's as old as time. To ask God to pick sides. So they're asking. Who are you for? They're saying to Jesus. We want to co-opt you Jesus. For political purposes. Because if you side with us. Then it will lead us to glory and power. But if you side with these guys. It will lead them to glory and power. So side with us Jesus. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Are you for us or are you for the other guys? And I would say that this attempt to co-opt Jesus and now today the attempt to co-opt the church of Jesus is alive and well. It's alive and well. The question comes up so often. If Jesus were here and he were to vote for president, who would he vote for? That's the question. And I've had, I've had a few people ask me, you know, who, who are you going to vote for? Who do you think Jesus would vote for? I'm like, oh, but it seems obvious who he would vote for, doesn't it? I mean, let's face it. I mean, if, if we look at Jesus and we look at the teachings of the scripture, it, it seems that Jesus is very pro-life. And it seems that right now the biggest thing happening is what's, what's going to take place with the Supreme Court and new just, a new justice being uh, elected to that office or put in that office. And we know a new justice is going to sway which way this, this pro-life issue goes. So obviously Jesus, and that's his concern, he would vote Republican. I mean, it seems very, uh, well, except that, except that. There's, a, there's this thing. So when you look through the scripture, uh, what you start to notice is that there are literally thousands of verses in the scripture that have to do with taking care of the poor and the needy. So, I, yeah, well, that made it tricky. Because, you know, immigrants and aliens, as they're called in the scripture, don't call people aliens these days. It just it feels wrong. But, but you know what? Maybe it's Democrat Jesus would vote. Uh, maybe it's not as easy. But then there's, there's you know, uh, 
There's the Green Party. Those guys take care of the earth, don't they? They have more concern for pipelines and glaciers and global warming. And Jesus and the scripture seem very clear, seem very clear about taking care of the planet. So maybe, it, but then again, maybe God would vote libertarian. I don't know. Because it does seem that the government is oftentimes overstretching its, its bounds. And that maybe Jesus didn't mean it that way. Because Jesus did put the church in place to help care for people and to do the. So maybe it's not as clear. I mean, maybe it's really not as clear. You see, at the RNC, it was, it was black and white. It was as clear as day. And there were Christians at the RNC. But then at the DNC, it was as clear as day. But there were Christians at the DNC. So the question, how are we going to do this? Now, here's the thing. I don't think that Jesus can be, and nor do I think that Jesus wants to be squeezed into any of our existing political parties. I don't think Jesus wants to walk any of our party lines. I just, I, I, can't, I cannot find it in Scripture. I can't go that way. And here's why. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, listen, guys, uh, you're a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> Woohoo! He says, pull out the coin, show me the coin used for paying taxes. And so they brought him a denarius, and he asked, now whose image is on this coin? And they say, it's Caesar's. And so he says, well then, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what belongs to God. Give me one second, I lost a page here. So, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but we have to ask the question, what is Caesar's? What do we owe Caesar? And we talked about it a few weeks ago. And he said, well, uh, and I'm not going to go back, go listen to the podcast uh, from two weeks ago. But what is Caesar's and what is God's? It seems here that for us, what it's really going to come down to is that Jesus has this thing where he's not so interested in the fact that we vote a particular way. It seems that God is much more, that Jesus is much more interested in the fact that we live a particular way. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar's, which I would say that respect, respect the government. We've talked, there's plenty of scriptures about that. Um, uh, pay your taxes, be good citizens, uh, obey the law, do those things, as long as it's within the 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 kingdom reality of God you know I mean if the law is all of a sudden to do something that goes against the ways of the kingdom then we're not going to be able to even obey the law at that point like if you were ordered to murder someone or do something like that you you, you can't be like well it's just obeying the law no I mean because you're 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 God's kid first you're part of God's kingdom first so what does Jesus tell us he teaches us and he shows us how to actually live this is what he is doing so let's look at it for a minute. What does it look like to live? Because this is what I think, if, I, if you were to ask me, what are we supposed to do in this political season? I would say do three things. 
First, live, then pray, then study, then act, and then go on living. When it comes to what should my political decision be, who should I vote for? Here's how you're going to figure it out. Even though you've probably already figured it out, but I'm going to encourage you to think it through again. God is not nearly con as concerned with how you vote as he is with how you live. He is not nearly as concerned with how you vote or who you vote for as he is with how you live your life. God believes, and I, I say this strongly because of the witness of Jesus and the life of Jesus, but God knows that our influence does not come primarily through political convictions. But our influence as, as followers of Jesus comes from our personal character and life as the community of faith. The question is, how are we living? It is more important than how we vote. It is absolutely more important. Look at Jesus' description from the Sermon on the Mount. And as we look through this, let's, let's ask these questions of ourselves. First off, how do you think Christians, or how did, I'm sorry, how did Jesus think Christians would influence the world? That would be a question. How did Jesus think that Christians, you and me, would influence the world? Second question, is Jesus' description of his followers the public face of Christianity right now? Let's think about that. Matthew, when we look in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 7, Jesus says, Be merciful, for those that show mercy will be shown mercy. So Jesus basically says your influence will be directly related to your display of mercy. So... How, is, how are we doing? How are we? How are, how are the 40 of us doing when it comes to mercy? How are we doing? Because how, we, how we're doing and how we live and, and move and, and act and, and breathe according to the ways of Jesus says so much more to the world than how we vote or who we vote for. This is how God, remember, the church is how God is impacting the world, not political systems. Is the public face of Christianity in America, that Christians are merciful people. Now that one I think we can answer. Christians don't look very merciful if you watch the media. Is this church, and, and is this church, and I think this church is, and this is the church we are, this is who we are striving to be after the Holy Spirit, but is this the place where people who are screwed up, messed up, who are ashamed, who, when they walk through those doors, no matter what lifestyle they're engaged in, no matter what things they're engaged in, no matter what questions or what doubts or what religion they are, is this a place where it's safe to be like, hey, look, you can meet with us and you can, you can interact with God and, and the Holy Spirit and this is a safe place and you can, you can doubt till the cows come home. Is that a saying? Uh, but you can, you can just do your thing. But you know what? We want you, we want, we, we, may we be a witness and a light of Christ to all people. Does the church look like that today? How about this one, Matthew 5, 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. How are we at making peace? How's the church in America? Is the face of Christianity in America that Christians are all about making peace? Is the face of Christianity in America that the church is all about breaking down dividing walls, bringing people together, trying to figure out how we can get along? How we can be a more inclusive society? Are we a welcoming people? Christians are the people who are called to uh, not start wars, but seek ways to end wars. I mean, are we doing that? Are we, are we peacemakers? This is, Matthew 5 is like 
the most ridiculous teaching on the planet. I mean, it's just, it's just flat out, but you, you, you get glimpses of what Jesus is doing, what God is doing. Matthew 5.32, I tell you, that, you know, don't, don't, get, don't get divorces and don't, don't sleep around and, and don't do those kinds of things. And the reason I don't want you to do those things is because it's not good for you. It brings pain and it brings hurt. And you know what? There's a different way. There's a kingdom way. I mean, our, 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 is Christianity in America, the public face, say, hey, man, look, those people, they actually try to stay married. You know, they actually work through their crap. They're like, oh, yeah, I mean, or it's, what's, it, what's it looking like? How, how are we doing? I, you know, let your yes be yes, Jesus says. Let your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I mean, are we people of our word? Do we sign contracts and hold up to them? Are we, are we good business people? Do we, do we take care of what, what our responsibilities are? I mean, these are just things that Jesus is like, hey, just do this. And so here would what I would suggest to you. The world does not need... Another political agenda from the church. I just don't think the world needs it. The, world, the world's doing just fine on its own doing that. I think what the world needs most is an attractive alternative to the fallen world of politics. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Jill Stein, Gary Johnson, the other 18 people on the ballot who are running for president. It's not that many, but there, there's a lot. All have ideas, all have thoughts, None of them are going to fix the world. And I think the world is desperate for a model of the good life embodied in the community of people of Jesus. And so Jesus says, do this, be a light to the world, be a town built on a hill. Don't don't go hide. Don't go hide and don't be co-opted into the, the system of the world, but go about the business of the kingdom. Let your light shine and let people see your good deeds and let people see you loving one another and let people see you respecting one another. Let people see you breaking down barriers between one another. Let people see these things. People are desperate for this. People are desperate to see white people and black people and Asian people and Chinese people and American people and Afghani people all worshiping together and being connected together and not being torn apart by all the divisions that the world is setting up. So what if we took it seriously? What would it look like? So I think that's the first thing. Jesus says, live. Go live. Live, 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 live. Do it. Do it, do it, live. Okay, but how do I vote? Okay, let's do this real quickly. Pray. Pray. Ask God his thoughts. And I want to say this at the same time. But do not be overwhelmed or do not be disconcerted if you don't hear God clearly on who to vote for. And here's why. I'm very convinced that God does not have a dog in this fight. I am convinced. I am convinced. Now, you don't have to be convinced, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a, a pretty strong uh, case for this, I believe. I do not think that God has a dog in this presidential fight. God has one dog. I don't know if we should refer to him as a dog, but that's Jesus. That's his guy. Jesus is his God. That's the one who comes fighting. And who is Jesus fighting? Make no mistake about it. He's not fighting people. Jesus is never, ever, ever, never, never, ever fighting people, which is why we should never be fighting people. Jesus is fighting darkness. Jesus is fighting demons and powers of darkness. Jesus is fighting systems of darkness. That's what Jesus is fighting. 
Jesus is not fighting people. That's God's dog in the fight. So God doesn't have a dog in this political fight. If he did, then I'm pretty sure that he would reveal that in some way, shape, or form to the entire church. But as you can see from the presidential, uh, from, the, uh, from the convention prayers, God doesn't seem to be doing a very good job of revealing himself if he does have a dog in the fight. Even in this room, God's not doing a very good job. Because there are some who are, this is driving you crazy because how can you preach this and not endorse Trump? And there are others who are like, this is driving you crazy. How can you preach this and not endorse Clinton and know that that's who God has chosen? Because he hasn't. Now here's the beauty in this. If we go this direction, then we understand, you know what? Lacey can have a very strong conviction that she needs to vote for, for candidate A, and Angie can have a very strong conviction that and it, she thinks it comes from the Holy Spirit that she needs to go with candidate B, and because we actually don't think that God necessarily has a dog in the fight, you can still be sisters in Christ and worship in the same front row and share the same communion table and still love each other and just say, you know what? One of us is going to get the person we wanted in the office. The other one's not. And tomorrow we're going to go on living the ways of Jesus and we're going to do it together. You want to go hand out grocery bags and collect groceries for the people who actually need it? So I would say pray. But don't be overwhelmed if you don't get a strong answer. Don't be overwhelmed if someone else gets a different answer than you. I would say study. Do your due diligence. Don't go in blind. Figure out what's important to you. Now, what is important to you, I would encourage you to go to the scripture and say what's important to God. I think Matthew 5 is a good place to go. Just, okay, these things seem to be kingdom realities. These seem to be kingdom principles. These seem to be kingdom ways of living. But here's the thing you're going to run into. Again, you can't find a Christian candidate because they're politicians and they are towing the party line. So you might say, well, this person has a very strong Christian stance in this area. Yes, but dig deep enough and they have an anti-Christian stance in this area. That's how it works. I mean, Republicans are against abortion and we say, yeah, that's a, that's a Christian thing, but they're for capital punishment. So we don't want to murder these people, but we do want to murder these people or however you want to look at it. But one way or the other, there seems to be some discrepancy here. And the same thing with the Democrats. So you see, you can't, there is not a Christian party. The Christian party is the church. And the church needs to, has been invited by the state to stay out of it and just be the church and get about the business. Picking up the pieces. Because there's going to be broken pieces and broken people no matter who gets in office. Can we all agree on that? So pick your values. Everybody is straddling. So figure out who you're going to straddle with and go vote that. Third thing is go act. If you, go act. Go vote for candidate A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Or don't go vote. Act. Both are actions. But just pick what you're going to do. And I would say, if you don't know, if you don't want to jump into that part of the system, as a Christian, you don't have to vote. See, as an American, you have a right to vote. But you don't have, as a Christian, like, 
you're a citizen of the kingdom of God and you can participate in the government, but you don't have to either. You can go either way here. You don't have an obligation. You don't have a Christian duty. As an American, if that's the right that you want to exercise, that's great. But you don't have to. Mike Rowe, the, the dirty jobs guy, he wrote the greatest article on voting the other day. He said, uh, he said, listen, you don't, he even said, he's like, you don't have to vote. He says it's a right. It's a wonderful, wonderful right for American citizens. But you don't have to do it. He said, you, um, you know, he said, you also have the right to own an AK-47, but just because you have the right doesn't mean that everyone should go exercise that right, right? Right. You don't have to. So just do what you think you need to do. If you don't vote, it doesn't make you less of a Christian. Jesus is not more upset with you. Now, he's obviously more happy with me because I voted early. But, you know, if you're going to do, like, your November 8th thing, you know. But here's the deal. You live. You pray. You study. You act. And then on November 9th or or November 8th, you know, if you vote at 802, then at 803, you get right back to living. You get right back to living out the ways of the kingdom. Living the ways of the kingdom. This is what God has invited us into. He says, listen, I've got a church now. I've got a people. And the people that I have, they span the globe. They're not just American citizens. Those are not my only people. I have people all, I, I sent it in our congregational letter this week. Hopefully you got that. It was in your, in your inbox. But you know, there were presidential elections this year. And um, there were like five or six African nations. There, I, I, I listed some of the nations. But all around the globe, there have been presidential elections. You've heard nothing about them. And it's Okay. Because those presidential elections don't affect, in those countries, they don't affect, they affect those countries. That's what they affect. But they don't affect the church because in those, the the church understands we have a mission. And it doesn't matter who's sitting in the, whatever house they have in those other, it doesn't matter who sits there. The church still has a mission. And our mission is to live out the ways of Jesus, to seek the Holy Spirit, to seek the kingdom, and to keep pressing in and to learn how to love each other in the midst of all the chaos and the crap, and how to love, really, the whole world. That's what we're doing. That's what we are doing. And if we do that, I think it sets us free. I think it sets us free in a way to actually love each other. I think it sets us free in a way to not be so consumed. And, you know, you, you can be a Fox News person. You can be a CNN News person. My, my encur- you have 10 days left. My strongest encouragement is be a minimal news person. You know, go find something that gives you, you know, and by now you already think you know who you're voting for. So turn off the TV and just spend time with the Holy Spirit over the next couple of days. Do your thing and get about living. Don't let yourself get all riled up on this stuff because this stuff, it will impact our society. It will impact us to a, to a degree. But you know what? As Christians, as Christians, we're called to a whole, a whole different way. A new and beautiful kingdom life.